Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. that time yours. For the number of times that we have talked on this show about how the Chiefs only play weird games, I, I partially I think we might need to retire that phrase or maybe just put it on ice temporarily because the entire NFL only plays weird games now. <laughs> and I I think there might be an argument that the Chiefs actually played one of the most normal games of this week of NFL action which might be more of a reflection on what they have been and then have ceased to be and then were again on Sunday Night Football. But it certainly means that we have plenty to talk about here on this edition of Times Ours. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. And this episode of Times Ours is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirecTV.com. Nate, you went to Vegas. You made it back to Vegas, for some, from Vegas. For yes. some reason, you stopped in Minnesota shortly. It had nothing to do with Seth. You guys were in the same state after the Chiefs played at the Raiders. You can try to explain that to me if you wish. I'm mostly just curious how your uh, brief time in Vegas went. Uh, it went fine. Um, it was enjoyable. I am mature enough to follow my core principles, which is as much as you would like for me to gamble, I'm not going to do it. Uh, as much as... There are other entertainment possibilities. I'm just going to do my normal business and, and handle it. Uh, it was it was a really fun atmosphere. Um, and clearly there were a lot of Chiefs fans there. Uh, I think the first good sign on Sunday night, and Tyron Matthew alluded to this, was the idea that the Raiders built this new Death Star in the desert. Uh, it attracts all sorts of people. And yet, in the first true uh, renewing of the rivalry between the Chiefs and the Raiders in this new location, obviously because of the pandemic last year, that, uh, boy, was everybody pumped to say home of the Chiefs. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they showed that on the broadcast uh, for Sunday Night Football, but it was loud. And people were, like, geeked to do it. Um and look, one team is sort of trending downwards and one team is trending upwards. And it appears that the Chiefs are hitting their stride at what you would hope would be the appropriate time of the year, right? Just a little ahead of Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll see if this team can uh, continue to improve. But ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it's just easy. The quarterback's good everything else sort of falls into place. Um, and that's both good for the team. And sometimes it's good for the reporter. Cause it's just like, okay, this is, 
This is uh, Patrick Mahomes being at his absolute best um, and sort of reminding people that, you know, he's still good at football. So um, I love the state of Minneapolis. I love the state of Minnesota. I love Minneapolis's airport and I'm happy to be home, Josh. I don't know why <laughs> you have to uh, try to get me on a gotcha question, but I'm he's here. He's pretty divisive. He, you know, he really is. I mean, but look, I'm just saying that I'm currently at on Vegas.com, and the idea that you didn't see any of these seven uh, different Cirque du Soleil shows or David Copperfield, who at least on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday—that's all seven days, folks—appears to be doing <laughs> a 70-minute show three times a day. Uh, hey, can we? Can someone check in on David Copperfield? I think. The next time he mutters, like, I wish I could disappear for real. Like, I think at that point we're going to know that it's gotten to be too much for him. Can I Can I tell you? Is he just doing a, 20 shows a week? <laughs> can I tell you just something that also occurred in Vegas at the same time? I hope um, I, you better stay there, Nate. Whatever happened there, better stay there. That's what I've been promised. No, no, it's okay. No, it's okay. okay. We're, we're, we're <laughs> you know, we're out in public with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're recording. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, no, so this came out weeks ago, uh, perhaps even months ago. I think my buddy Tashawn Reed, who uh, covers the Raiders for the Athletic, you should always check out his coverage. Uh, obviously, um, if you're a Chiefs fan of what is going on with the Raiders, which, by the way, quite a lot. Um, (laughs) so this came out months ago and it just so happened to coincide on the same weekend that Chiefs Raiders, at least part one for the 2021 season started. There was a monumental concert festival series on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so I believe Kendrick Lamar performed for the first time live on Friday. Oh, wow. I, I fly down Saturday and it was supposed to be Travis Scott, but if you've read the news, ooh, yeah, he he uh he in some things. Um, yeah, he's gonna probably be a minute. And so I think they brought in Post Malone, and I was like, eh, I'm gonna oh. just I'm gonna just chill. You stayed <laughs> in your hotel room instead of going to see Post Malone, Nate. Yeah. You've you've pierced my heart. I'm sorry, it, it, that and ladies and gentlemen, we found the generational gap between us. By <laughs> that just is a- right where it is. It is right at Post Malone. <laughs> And that so, is the exact divide. And so I'm gonna name. So, a, I'm gonna hang name. On. Go ahead. So Carl Malone changed his name and became a performer oh. of some sort. Well, it's a, it's a stage. And the name. other it's generation post, has entered the chat. Yeah, he actually goes by Post Up Malone. Yeah, he and he <laughs> he got a lot of new tattoos. <laughs> Short amount of time. So I'm gonna mention three artists really quick, and I I highly recommend. Uh, these artists to people if they have not heard them they should check them out but it it kind of it kind of hurt my soul to know that like I have a job to do I need to provide insight and information about the team that people beloved which is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs for the athletic and uh, thank you people for subscribing but I missed Looney who is a Toronto-based R&B singer she has a great voice I miss Saba who is a Chicago hip-hop artist Quite honestly, my favorite young guy in the game right now. Mm. Sab is amazing. And I think he's coming out with a new album relatively soon. <sighs> and fellas, as Patrick Mahomes was throwing touchdowns three, four, and five, <laughs> I was Missy Snow Allegra. <laughs> and that is just R&B cocaine, okay? I don't... If people have not heard of Snow Allegra, 
she is she's just she's wonderful. Um, there's a tiny desk. Go look it up. It's great. But um, all of that is to say is that the world is sort of getting back to normal. Like I was looking at the videos of these uh, artists perform, most notably on Instagram, and there were large crowds, just like in the new Death Star at the Desert of Las Vegas. And I wasn't like startled. Much mm-hmm. in the same way of like Patrick Mahomes throwing deep and me expecting it to be complete. Because if anything, of course, as we sort of alluded to last week, the Raiders were a get right team. And boy, did Patrick Mahomes get right. Just like, hey, it's nice to know that Kendrick Lamar can still be a great artist on stage, even though you haven't seen it in two years. And this is a much different, you know, circumstance and context, but. Um, the Chiefs wearing all white and just destroying the Raiders for 60 minutes. I mean, that's <laughs> that's got to bring a tear to some people's eyes uh, who are who are old enough to understand the significance of the uniform and their quarterback playing excellent in them for the first time in his career, by the way. Like, you know, the only other time they had played in all white was in that um, exhilarating 2018 loss to the Rams. But yeah. This is my Vegas. This is all I have to give you for Vegas. I didn't play the slots. I didn't play poker. No one arrested me. I left with all my clothing. (laughs) (laughs) I left with all my clothing. You know, Um, there is no hangover here. You know, Uh, I was not a lone wolf and I'm I'm totally okay with that. And um, fellas, it's it's, it's a pleasure to do a podcast with you just a day later because, you know, Sometimes planes don't arrive on time. I just am seeing here that you could have seen Chris Angel's new special, Raw, and it just I'd oh. like to read you a I'd like to oh. read you a brief synopsis here. Raw reinvents his best-selling mind freak routine for an intimate setting, allowing the audience to get up close and personal with Chris and his assistants in a stripped-down show which will really demonstrate his magic touch. Prepare to see America's premier illusionist, mentalist, and trickster like you've never seen him before. Tell me that's not worth the $145 it would have set you back to go see it, Nate! I'm intrigued now. The pictures, uh, every picture of Chris Angel is crazier than the last. Seeing certain people on, plastered on large, and I mean large hotels, like obnoxiously <laughs> large, like, sir, your face is like six floors of this hotel. Like, that's just weird. Um, but, you know, advertising, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. Um, one other, uh, little quick story, fellas, um, on my way to Minneapolis, because of course, you know, if you if you trying to go back east, why don't you go north first? <laughs> <laughs> way north, oh, like you, significantly north. Why, why don't you go north? Why don't you go north? Um, I got to I got to chat with Michelle Tafoya for like a few minutes. It was a wonderful experience because uh, she lives in in the state of uh, Minnesota. I didn't know that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So when so when we landed, she got to go home, <laughs> and I got to just hang. <laughs> now, Seth, did you any, do any uh, gambling or any uh, go to any magic shows this weekend? 
Um, yes, actually, both. Um, I also saw a live tiger, so I got the whole Vegas experience mm, right wow. there in my home. No, I didn't. Um, I did get to see snow, and then it snowed some more. Yes, it did. Oh. <laughs> yes, it did. It's actually not that bad. There's barely like two or three inches on the ground at this point. Wait, there are two or three inches of snow on the ground right now? Ah, barely. Oh. God, everything's already melting. Nature is healing. But that's, oh. you know, that's Minnesota. It might still melt again. Hold on. Let me take a look at the forecast. <laughs> we might, we might. It's supposed to get to 35 degrees. Oh, nope. It's going to snow again tomorrow. Mm. Oh, yep. And now we're getting our first really actually cold day of the year on Sunday. It gets down to eight. And so it's here. To I stay. like, I, I like. I love fall and I like winter and I think that oftentimes it gets over criticized as a as a season. But Seth, it shouldn't be eight degrees on on November twentieth or whatever it will be. Like that is did not, you not people should not live already there. hear my spirit break as I yeah. was this. But you know what? By the time in this time in two weeks, I am going to be traveling down to Minneapolis to get on a plane to head down to sunny Florida. So life is good, man. I'm not going to let this weather get me down. I just feel like eventually you're going to leave and you're just not going to get on the plane to go home. Like you're just going to say, you know what? I will dig a hole on the beach and I'll just live in here and we'll figure it out. If enough people subscribe to the Chief of the North newsletter, <laughs> that's not out of the question one day, many moons from now, because Jazz and I have had that conversation where she's like, you know, you could do the newsletter and like wait tables. Like, I don't need to be married to a lawyer. And in fact, she then she editorialized about how she feels about being married to a lawyer. Um, we don't need to get into the very yeah, we've got this that were said. Nate, are you worried about their marriage? We've had a tough well, couple of weeks of Seth talking about his home life. All, all I was going to say is it doesn't matter where you grind tape as long as you just grind the tape. You that's know? right. If that's you're, what I'm saying. If, I you're, mean, I if, could, you're, I, if you're in a hole in a beach, I mean, grind away. <laughs> if I'm if I'm grinding the tape in Florida, man, y'all would get, you'd get an article a day. I'd do my own little mini five-minute podcast. Which, <laughs> no, it, would, it could never replace this one, of course. It would be in addition to. Now I so feel I'm like. I'm saying you all subscribe. <laughs> anyway, but no, life is good. It's going to be For $12 a year, you too can help get a frozen, cold Minnesota man out of that place that people should live. I'm asking you to save me. Yes. <laughs> Rescue Seth. From a life of frozen tundra in the worst possible way and being a child protection prosecutor. Do you have any idea how depressing my job is? Can I can you I don't. can I can I can I just tell you if you continue down this path, have have we introduced to you the idea of Florida? It's just I just feel like you should entertain Florida. I'm just I'm just saying, people, you could be my saviors. But I and then then you know what I would do? I'd write about the offensive line every week. <laughs> I'd write about every player on the offensive line because I'd have time. Instead of just writing about Orlando Brown taking Yannick and I can't pronounce his Ngakwe. last name. Ngakwe. 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 Got it. Yeah. Uh, Ngakwe did not have a good day. You got to say it with a flair. That, 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 that's where the confidence comes from. You could be so wrong, but you said it with gusto. <laughs> say anything with gusto and people are, people are going to be so hesitant to criticize you if you ju- all you got to do is say it with gusto that's basically my entire personality is saying things with gusto and then hoping people are too afraid to correct me yep yeah, that's that's fair so it's on done. that note 
Go ahead, Seth. <laughs> it's done well for you. you you've got yeah. some places. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely it definitely could have gone worse, you know? I, I'm more or less, you know, content with, with that uh, that particular strategy. And I'm going to stick with it until somebody calls me out. Wait. We're, oh, we are recording still. No, I keep mm. forgetting. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about the actual game that uh, that Nate braved the the heat of Vegas for, and that Seth will will freeze to death reviewing um, because things did look a little more normal. We we like we left the unprecedented times, both in terms of all of the crowds that Nate was witnessing, and with what we saw from the Chiefs, specifically the offense, but really all around. Um, a 41 to 14 final would have been pretty low on my expected outcomes coming into this game. I was not confident that the Chiefs are going to perfectly snap back into place, even though, as we talked about before the game, like there were signs, and, and Seth, you obviously wrote about all of that as we talked about it from the Packers game. There were signs that the offense was a whole lot closer than they were getting credit for. But Nate, this felt like an explosion return to form. And it's it's no guarantee that this is the the real version of the Chiefs from this point forward, I suppose. But did you expect to see a, a 41-14 victory anywhere within your soul? <laughs> no, not 41. I, I thought that there would be a chance for them to get into the high 20s and return to maybe the, the 30s. Um, and then Patrick Mahomes just, I mean, he, he just got, he caught fire. Um, but look, it was interesting to me that the Raiders, given what's going on with them and their roster, um, and Gus Bradley having success before against Patrick Mahomes, that he was just like, you know, finally, the Chiefs were like, an opponent just does what it does. Like, <laughs> we don't have to think about cover two. Uh, you know, there is still a zone element to it. But, man, it feels good to out here see these single high safeties, to see this cover three uh, look. And I will give credit where it I really believe it needs to be uh, placed. Clearly, Mahomes was the best player on the field. Anytime that man plays in the manner that he played, they will win. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just, like, it was it was reminiscent of the New Orleans game last year in this moment where... Derek Carr throws about as good of a pass as you could throw. And I knew in the moment that, like, that actually isn't Anthony Hitchens' fault. That's just a great throw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just, like, every once in a while, guy just performs a little bit better than you. Um, and so it's, four, you know, 17-14. And uh, Mahomes is just like, yeah, I'm going to score. And there's nothing you can do about it, um, <laughs> which was obviously similar to when he got sandwiched against the Saints, and then on the next drive was a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is just like, no, that's okay. Like I may be hurting. Uh, they may have sacked, you know, they may have sacked me. It led to a turnover, it led to a touchdown, but like it's okay. Like you're not like even though the crowd is going bananas, like it's not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like we're driving the football down the field. But the two people that I thought of. Um, in relation to Mahomes, because yes, the quarterback needs help. Yes, even the best player in franchise history needs some encouragement from the third string backup in Shane Buchel. But but fellas, Andrew Wiley kind of played the game of his life, hmm. and Andy Reid schemed up things in a way that I just thought, oh. 
maybe my assumptions were correct about the Packers game. They got a lead. They could have scored more points. But nothing was really, like, super inventive or, like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, wow, that guy's just wide open in terms of NFL windows for a quarterback. And when Travis Kelsey caught, I think, either the second or first pass, and he did a little shake afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I saw the formation and how he got wide open. Because Mahomes was in rhythm, the offensive line was on time, and the ball was delivered. It was just like, oh, like the Raiders are going to see, as my father would say, some of these real plays. Like, <laughs> um, And so that gives me encouragement. I don't know, and I know our listeners are probably wondering, well, Nate, who's calling the plays? Like, oh, yes. yes. There's been, there's been some discussion about Eric Bieniemy. Does he have more? <laughs> does he have more ownership? Uh, is there? Are they trying to break tendencies by having Eric Bieniemy call plays? Is Andy Reid not as involved as he usually is? Who's you know on NBC's cameras? It looks like Andy Reid is calling the plays to Patrick Mahomes more so than in previous weeks. I guys, I'm gonna try, and you know what the end result's gonna be. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Here, here, hang on, hang on. Let me throw on my clairvoyant hat. I have a feeling. That Andy Reid calls all the bad plays and Eric Bieniemy calls all the good ones. And Andy will be so forthright and honest to just tell you flat out if you ask him. I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can't tell you. But all I can say is, whether it's Mike Kafka, Eric Bieniemy, or Andy Reid, a guy that we all know is going in the Hall of Fame, those play calls were marvelous. Yeah. And it got Mahomes in rhythm, and then it built confidence in Mahomes, and then it led to Mahomes sort of understanding what the defense was doing and adding his his perspective, his insight. Um and it just it just it just rolled. But uh for everyone that says man Patrick Mahomes is back and that was clearly the, the biggest thing you can take away from this game the play calling was so much better on offense than against the Giants. And I really, I think I want to look back and, and think of that Packers game. as just like a weird game where like the play calling was fine. It wasn't great. And then the next week, because Andy knows the importance of a divisional game, uh, we going we, we're, we're <laughs> some dudes will be open. I'm going to get Byron Pringle open. He hadn't been open in a month. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm going to get him open. Like, it was just one of those games. And so, Mahomes is the big headliner, but I think Andrew Wiley, uh, Standy Tall, and kind of knowing all of Max Crosby's moves, even though he's not anywhere close to being as physically, um, you know, similar or equal, I should say, to, to Max Crosby, but just at least knowing his moves and not being a, an absolute, like, third-string right tackle – and then Andy Reid just taking, just kind of taking over. I'm going to give the credit to the head coach who's going in the Hall of Fame. I know Eric Bieniemy's good. I know he can call plays. I'm probably my guess is Andy Reid had really um, he kind of waited for this game, and thankfully for him, his players responded accordingly. Seth, what'd you think? 
I think that a lot of that is true. I, I've never believed it for a second when people, you know, Andy Reid giving up the play calling has just been one of the most popular storylines for years in Kansas City. Whether things are going really well or really poorly, it's always because Andy's not calling the plays anymore. I don't ever believe it even for a second. I just don't. Other than maybe, you know, some spots here and there. But, I mean, this is what he does. There's a reason why, like, if he gets asked anything about the defense, he's like, I don't know. Why don't you ask Steve? Like, <laughs> because he sets the culture and all that. But the defense, he's like, ah, I don't, I don't know. They got some guys over there. Steve's doing some stuff. Um, and that's so he can focus on the offense. And that's just how it is. That's how it's always been. That's how it's always going to be. Um, in terms of them, I mean, they, they completely blew the doors off the Raiders in terms of coaching. Um, I will say also though, when you've got like Daryl Williams mossing dudes in the end zone, mm -hmm. like that's how you know, like, okay, this is our day. Um, by the way, the, the, not, he didn't just moss anybody, Seth. He mossed Jonathan Abrams, who's like the most Raider <laughs> Raider on defense. <laughs> I mean, a guy is. that a guy that when I saw him play in person for the first time, I said, Oh yes, yes, I'll yes. Keep him with this team. I don't know if he's good. But man, he plays with the confidence of like I was, I was the confidence was, of Usain Ngakwe. Yes, I was chosen to play a Raider, <laughs> and I'm gonna yeah. play like a dirty Raider from the 1970s in the context of now. But like, he kind of got the guy that like, you know, feels like he's an important Raider, even though statistically, eh. yeah, yeah, not so much. In um, fairness, none of their none of their other draft picks are still on the team, so. The 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 thing, I mean, there's so many cool things to take away from. That was really funny. That was quite I mean, a stray. Just out of, it took I mean, me a it just to catch it. It just is like I'll I'll, I'll you, Seth, you talk. I'll I'll just make some fun Raiders observations in a minute. Sure. Um, there, there's so many fun things you could take away from this game. There's a lot of instant reactions. Mahomes is obviously the biggest thing. The defense playing really really well against an offense that gave them a ton of problems last year is huge. Um, Melvin Ingram. I mean, we, we could talk about each thing individually here, but the defense is one of the stories of the game for sure. Um, I would say the fact that the trenches and, and I understand the modern NFL starts and ends with the quarterback, but that was one of the first games I've watched where I was just like, man, and maybe I'm looking for it more now, but it's just like the chief's offensive line is just better. Mm. They're just much better than the opponent. And you saw it, and they still run east-west more than I'd like, but whatever. But you saw it in the run game. You saw it in the pass game. They're just better. And it's not like, uh, you know, the Packers had some injuries, but they've got a good front. The Raiders have a really good front. Remember, that was the big storyline going in. How can they hold up against this great pass rush? Um, well, I can tell you, Crosby, I saw he got credited by PFF for, like, 12 pressures. Um. I guess I would love to see those plays and see how those were charted. You know what I mean? Cause that maybe, I mean, cause Wiley gave up some pressures, you know, and that's going to happen. Um, but he played the game. He played a really good game in a really tough spot. Um, and Gakwe just got killed. Uh, Orlando Brown had a couple of bad snaps against him, but overall just swallowed him whole. Is there any place on the internet that I could watch some of those clips and uh, then maybe read about it? Yes. There, there might be since since you asked um, in the last 10 seconds since you asked, I researched and wrote an entire article just to please you, Josh. 
Wow, um, thank you. <laughs> about Orlando Brown against the Raiders. Brown is a guy that I wanted to write about for a while. And what I'm probably going to do during the bye week, I might try to chart every snap of the offensive line this year. Oh. Um, like every player. Because, I mean, here's the deal. Everyone wants what? to know how what? Orlando what? Brown has been all year. Everyone okay? wants to know how Creed Humphrey's been all year, how Trey Smith, Trey Smith has been all year, how Joe Tooney has been all year. Although everyone, Tooney would probably be the last one I do because everyone's like, yeah, he's playing really well. With one and hand. Just, with one yeah. hand, by the way. Yeah, with one hand. He's like a, the, and, and, and I they definitely overpaid for a guard, but he was like the ultimate like fire and forget thing. It's almost like they were like, okay, we know we got to fix the line. What's something we can do where you can just put this guy there and then just not think about guard for the next three years? And that's what he's done, and it's been cool. So that's my plan for the bye week is to hopefully chart at least those three guys every single snap. But with Brown, I wanted to do it sooner because I noticed during the game there were some people after he had, he had, he had a rough snap against Ngakwe that I charted as a pressure, pro football reference didn't, um, where people were saying stuff about Brown. And he's taken a lot of crap this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much of it's really deserved. Um, based on the games I watched, like he took a lot of crap after the Browns game. I watched every snap and I was like, nah, he was actually pretty good. And if you look at what Miles Garrett has done to people since that game, what uh, absent, absent Sunday, where the game plan was, well, I think we're just going to run the ball down their throat and Miles Garrett will never be a factor. But anyway, um, you see what Brown did against Garrett was actually very good in comparison to what happens to Garrett with most uh, competition. So it was kind of a similar thing. Ngakwe is a quality defensive end, a quality pass rusher. Um, he's got a variety of moves. He can win with quickness. And he, I mean, he had coming into the game, he had six sacks and like another 12 or 13 quarterback hits. That's impressive. He's been playing well. And so it was a good chance to chart every snap. And Brown just, I mean, he, he had a couple losses. So I wouldn't, you couldn't call it a complete total like Trent Williams style domination. But it was a dominant performance overall, um, especially when you take into account quality of competition. And I think that's something that's not talked about enough. And so I wrote about that on the Chief of the North newsletter, where you can subscribe. There's got – seriously, Josh, you talk about this. The Venn di- diagram of people that subscribe to the Chief of the North newsletter and that listen to this podcast, it's got to be like just like a circle. <laughs> I would I would think so. Um, but you haven't moved to Florida yet, so clearly somebody needs to hear that message. Mm. Yeah, somebody needs to hear that. So that's actually available on there I, where, where I charted every snap for wins, losses, and neutral plays. He was matched up against Ngakwe a ton. They kept Crosby on the other side. Frankly, I think intentionally, but that's where Crosby usually is anyways. Mm. But the thing about Brown when the Chiefs signed him, one of the things that I noticed when I reviewed his Ravens film was that I would put him and Fisher as kind of equivalent in terms of ability, just very different styles of players. The Mm -hmm. biggest difference I saw between the two of them, not in terms of style, but in terms of ability, was against higher level competition, Brown generally played better. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've seen with Miles Garrett and then with Ngakwe, where his ability to turn defensive line in one dimensional seems to be pretty universal. And it was a lot of fun. My favorite picture of this entire game is one that I took um, after just a super dominant rep. It's actually the first. This is one, even if you're not subscribed, you can actually see it, um, where Ngakwe tries to reach the edge. He can't because Orlando Brown uses his nine feet arms to kind of push him aside. So then he tries to cut inside and Brown's just like, oh, well, since you're moving that way anyway, and just throws him to the ground. (laughs) And then just, he just stands over him, letting him know about it. And 
and so I took a picture of that moment where he's just, you see Ngakwe kind of trying to get up and Brown sitting there like, you know, he's saying some version of stay down, please. That may be the edited version. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And I think that's an underrated aspect of this game is they took a Raiders defense that has a good pass rush. And with Mahomes moving really well in the pocket, they largely neutralized them. Yeah. By the way, um, this is from Next Gen Stats. And this was at the conclusion of Sunday night's game. But apparently, uh, to Next Gen Stats, Ngakwe and Crosby are the best dual edge rushers at generating pressures on opposing quarterbacks this season. They lead the league in that. And so um, it is it is impressive that Mahomes um, wasn't scrambling a ton because he didn't have to because the protection was so good and he wasn't sacked either. So that's the quarterback and the offensive line working together in harmony in a way that I don't think we've really seen to that degree this season. Um, and so when they had to be at their best, you know, based on – what the statistics have shown so far, uh, that's a good sign moving forward that this offensive line and the quarterback are, are both getting more in sync as the season mm. moves along. Um, so in 2020, obviously, the Raiders started with Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett at picks 12 and 19. Neither of them are on the team anymore. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., they drafted 80th overall and then traded him for a sixth-round pick before the season started. Um, he's been decent, I think, with Miami since then. I think he's still in Miami. Uh, then they took Brian Edwards, the next pick. He's you, you probably heard his name against the Chiefs on Sunday night, but he has not been incredibly impactful with the Raiders. Uh, and then Tanner Muse, John Simpson, Amik Robertson are your, your uh, remaining picks of the 2020 draft, which looking at it now, like at least Breland Speaks wasn't a top 20 pick, you know, in terms of like disastrous drafts. This is... Mike Mayock has done some things with, with with the Raiders. Cleveland Farrell is a role player, and they drafted him fourth overall in 2019. Last year, their first pick was Alex Leatherwood. They traded up for him and then promptly ended up moving him to guard because yep. he's a guard. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they like their Alabama guys, though, even though they've not. I mean, Josh Jacobs is a good football player. Although, did you guys know that Derek Carr led the Raiders in rushing? Uh, Yes, I did. 18 Um, yards on the ground for Derek Carr led the team. Kenyon Drake, 4 for 16. Josh Jacobs, 7 for 16. I didn't even notice that until today. I totally glossed over that during the actual game. Derek Derek, Derek Nottie would like his respect. Yes. He ended the game with a a jet skiing sack. You kidding me? That's how you knew it was absolutely party time. Um, I, I have one thing that you guys haven't totally covered yet that you both have at least sort of like alluded to that I'm just curious as to what you think the, ah! what you think you can take away from this particular cross section and that you mentioned earlier you know that, that the Chiefs were very glad to not just see nothing but two deep safeties and not just to see uh, the same looks that they've been seeing for the majority of this season mm-hmm. so how much do you credit the Chiefs' offense in this game, and how much do you say, well, this is also partially on the Raiders' defense, and whatever that mix is, it seems very unlikely to me that any team would look back at this game on Sunday night and say, yeah, we're we're actually going to try what the Raiders did also. We're going to keep showing some some varied looks instead of just heavily leaning on the two two deep safety shells and everything, um, because it seems pretty clear that that would be the thing to keep trying against the Chiefs, right? Yes. Uh, this may be a game where 
you look at it on film and say, well, uh, for instance, if you're the Cowboys, you know, are they the best cover two team in the league? Eh, eh. But like, should they try it? More times than not, probably. I thought it was interesting that the Raiders adjusted in the red zone to go to two high safeties um, mm. versus being in the middle of the field. Um, and that still didn't kind of work out. But what what I think Andy Reid and the coaching staff will sort of tell the, the, the players on offense is, is that this is repeatable um, for a couple reasons. Unlike the Green Bay game, uh, I think the Chiefs only had one significant drop, and that was Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field, um, even though the game was already sort of in hand at that point. Um, by the way, did anybody notice that Andy Reid kind of rolled out some some screens? Mm-hmm. So, some effective screens? Some effective screen passing. The um, second week in a row, they also incorporated the running backs into the receiving game a lot more. And when you Darryl don't have Williams, who's basically play, a receiver. Sorry, I need you to go against that. <laughs> so when you don't have elite linebacker play, it's really hard to compensate for trying to uh, cover the intermediate and deep routes. And that's you could see a huge difference in how the Raiders closed versus how the Packers did yes. on some of those quick routes. Yep, and. Uh, play action was involved. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody dropped the mm-hmm. ball considerably. Uh, there was no turnovers, and they cut down the penalties significantly from the last two games. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see if Andrew Wiley continues to be the right tackle for at least one more week against the Cowboys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs handle Lucas and Yang, who's still dealing with the rib injury. Like, is he... Is he capable of returning before the bye week, or is it more? Um, is it just wiser to give him another week off? Um, obviously, Mike Rimmers is on uh, short-term IR, so you won't see him until later in the month uh, in terms of his availability. So that'll be that'll be one thing to, to keep an eye on. But hey, did you know that they chipped blocked a couple more times? Yes, Rachel? yes, all I of, did notice that. All of these things are repeatable. Um, and by the way, your quarterback had better footwork, uh, mm-hmm. was trusting of what his eyes were seeing. Uh, as he told me, guys were getting open. Makes a, mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, the Cowboys can be thrown on. I know that they have a very, they have an interesting defense where it's variance on like, man, when they get a play, it is a massively impactful play. Um, mm-hmm. but you can matriculate the ball down the field on them. So I think all these things are repeatable. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Cowboys do play that, that too high shell. But there's no way to sort of it, – it's hard to quantify. But, guys, um, Travis Kelsey was not dancing in the previous three weeks. Yep. He, mm-hmm. he looks healthier. Uh, Tyreek Hill ran crisp deep routes. Not deep routes where it's like – uh, I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, there was the one against Green Bay where I think as Seth alluded to, it looked like he didn't have the full burst, which makes you think, mm, is he fully healthy? There was other times too, where uh, against the Giants on the one deep shot, Mahomes didn't kind of throw him open and he had to like kind of slow down and adjust to the ball. And he actually didn't catch a 50, 50 jump ball, which again is odd for, for what Tyreek is normally accustomed to. But against the Raiders, because of the play calling, he had more space to roam and his routes were crisper and he looks a little bit healthier. So all of these things are, I believe, are transferable. Um, and that gives me confidence that 
you know, will the Chiefs score 41 again? That, that's asking a lot, but they can be a team that can go shot for shot or punch for punch with the Cowboys in a in a in a game that's probably going to be played in the 30s. Seth, how sustainable do you think all that is? Very. Um, basically, the the biggest thing, and we talked about this a lot last week. You let me do like a whole soliloquy on quarterback play versus statistics. And you always say that word so funny. <laughs> what word? Statistics? Nope. Quarterback. Nope. Play. Talking for a long time. In a poetic way. It? That word. The word that the word. What's the word again? Say it, say it with gusto. You go to hell, Briscoe. It's just no. What do you know? I. Let's just you you will you. No, soliloquy. Soliloquy. I I think it's getting worse. Sailor? You're putting a A at the end. Soliloquy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I just... Hold on. Let me see if I can make this... I need you guys to be really quiet so I can play my headphones into my microphone. If you make any loud noises, it's going to pick up here. Okay. So everyone 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 be real quiet. Soliloquy. Soliloquy. That's what Google says. No, hey, Google sounds right to me. So now that we've established that I'm an idiot, um, <laughs> last week I went on a soliloquy. I have been mispronouncing that word for years. There is just some words like that that just you never you just never know, and then well, to you change it is weird. So well, and you know you read a word and you just kind of decide how to pronounce it early yeah. on. And there you go. I once. Um, I used to think it was conspicuous, mm. not conspicuous. Ooh, conspicuous. I, I, cons, conspicuous sounds like a word, though, in fairness. It, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, so last week I talked for a long time about, uh, <laughs> I demagogued, is that one, am I pronouncing that one correctly? Uh, on, you know, how Mahomes played against the Packers and that he overall played pretty well and that the line, like, pretty well, like, not close to very well for a normal dude, but pretty well for him. Mm. Um, and that the line played well and that they just had a series of plays that just, through either poor luck, and that was probably more than half, and then really nice plays by by either a linebacker or a safety on the Packers, especially their linebackers. You know, guys got tackled a little short or, you know, whatever, Right. And then the, that stopped happening against the Raiders. And I would say people are going to talk about, you know, cover three versus cover two, all that stuff. It's not like shells don't exist in cover three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And zones don't exist in cover three. And I, I really do think if you look at Patrick Mahomes' stats versus cover two zones the last couple of years, I really think that issue has become more and more of a narrative talking point. I, and that now they're struggling against two deep shells this year, but it's not just zone, it's man too. And I think it has more to do with self-inflicted errors, like fumbles, et cetera. Because everyone's like, oh, look at this EPA per play against, you know, cover two shells. Okay, but what if like three of those include drop passes that turn into picks mm-hmm. that might have otherwise been touchdowns? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so really by and large, and this is what people forgot because they just sucked against the Titans and then played really badly against the Giants as well on offense. And all it took was two games for that to become a narrative. Before that, people kept ignoring that they were near the top of the league in scoring despite leading the league in turnovers by a wide margin, Mm -hmm. which is borderline impossible to do. But they were doing it. 
And so, like, this offense being awesome shouldn't be a surprise because most of the season it has outside of when they decide to just hand the ball over to the other team. And so they stopped doing that. They solved the execution issues that they had against Green Bay. And suddenly the offense looked great against a defense that had been playing pretty well. So people are going to make a big deal about the cover two, cover three thing. But all the stuff we saw, I think it's very sustainable because they've sustained it in the past. They just kept fumbling the stinking ball. Kim. Or, you know, bouncing off their hands into someone else's hands. And you saw the turnover luck shift a little bit. Yep. Mahomes had two that could have gone and weren't. And I mean, you see that start to bounce out. Tyree Kill dribbled a ball into the yes. into the sideline. <laughs> he did. And so it could have I mean, things could have things could have even gone differently for the Chiefs in terms of even better luck in some ways. And so it looks very sustainable to me. Um they got really good contributions from some of the other guys on offense. And maybe that's just what they're deciding to do is like, look, we can't count on individual guys to win one-on-one outside of Hill and Kelsey, but we can at least try to scheme things to where like, Hey, let's scheme it to where McCall Hardman is sprinting across the field because no one can keep up with him. Yeah. That's sensible. Yeah. Like there are things that they're doing, getting Kelsey free releases from the backfield and some other areas on the field. I mean, these are all things that look sustainable. And I think, and Darrell Williams has definitely earned, I mean, he's a much better receiver than he is a runner. Um, not that he's a terrible runner, but that's just not his thing. He's got really good hands. He gets up the field quickly, um, plays the ball well, catches it smoothly, all those things you want from a running back. So he's earned a role there. But given the way that they're playing on offense, the the type of stuff that they're calling, this is like the stuff that, like, we thought they would be doing when they drafted Clyde, mm-hmm. like featuring their running backs. And turns out it works really well. Um, and so I think you see even in a higher ceiling there with someone with a little more burst, with someone with a little more wiggle. El- elusiveness to them, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, I I think it's really sustainable, but we've been hurt before. So I, it's, I keep saying, well, let's wait it out another week. I'm curious what the offense looks like against Dallas, who is a very, very good team. One statistic from Shil Kapadia, our colleague at The Athletic, that I want everybody to keep in mind. The Chiefs have gone three and out just 20.4% of the time. That's so small. Which is the lowest percentage in the NFL. And they are second in the league in EPA per drive. So That's so hard to do. <laughs> essentially, they're getting a first down. So they're, by and large, at least changing the field territory sort of battle they're getting points and essentially if you're not playing your best ball on defense you're hoping for a turnover or a drop pass or for a first year running back in Derek Gore to not hit the hole on fourth and one yeah (laughs) that's pretty much it and that's not really a one can't call that a sustainable game plan and so I, I think the question for me is more whether or not what has, I guess you'd call it, worked for opposing teams, if that's a sustainable game plan. Because the only team that really, I mean, the, the Bills and the Titans did some stuff, but that was still a lot of self-inflicted stuff. Mm-hmm. And Travis Kelsey clearly being hurt. And so I just I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. I don't know. Well, let's let's talk about the sustainability on the other side then, because yeah. 14 points to the Raiders also is better than I would have expected. Certainly better than I would have or or did predict. Um, 
they just didn't run the ball very much, and when they did, it didn't do much of anything. Um, I mentioned Brian Edwards earlier. I think he, I think this is almost certainly the most productive game of his NFL career. Um, Hunter Renfro had a bunch of catches, but they didn't go for very much of anything. Deshaun Jackson had what was going to be their most explosive offensive play of the day, and then Rashad Fenton went and punched the ball out as Jackson sort of turned around. But I did try to warn you guys that he was going to be open 40 yards downfield at some point. (laughs) I never promised what would happen after he had the ball in his hands. Like Deshaun Jackson probably leads the league in, in career fumbles within the five while on the run of a 40 some yard touchdown for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darren Waller, not really a factor in this game. Um, The pass rush looked good. I mean, you guys could pick, any spot you want, but I mean, we got we got the Dan Sorensen pick that had basically just been loading for for nine weeks. You guys can can pick a spot that you think is worthy of looking at a little bit more closely. But that's a that's a strong defensive performance from a unit that I, I think needed to kind of prove that it wasn't just that they could look good against Daniel Jones and uh, and and Jordan Love. And now they've done it against an offense that's been pretty good for stretches this year. Obviously, they don't have Henry Ruggs, but. Uh, they've they've still been a a very productive unit. Certainly more so than the Giants or Rodgersless Packers. Uh, maybe more than the Rodgers full Packers. <laughs> um, yeah, who knew the effects of COVID might disrupt your flow and rhythm? Um, I think ter- if I say anything here, I'm going to get in trouble. So, well, I'm 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 happy to announce that you know it could have a cumulative effect uh, based on the research of scientist anyway you've done your research um no not my research no okay no 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 how do you know that how do you know that doctors actually know what they're talking about that's just my question expertise is a thing we should all uh appreciate how long do doctors have to go to school for it's a long time right it's it's almost a decade some in some cases i did seven googles i'm pretty sure i'm good and and you know someone like laurent duvet hrd's only done it half the time because you know you know, think because it take it takes a while. It does. There's a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. The, the, I did, you the, know what? Hold the, on, I'm gonna do my eighth Google. <laughs> the human body is a. Uh, it's Google uh, just Google just said. Hold on, I'm sorry. I I just you know sometimes you like you search something on Google and there'll be like a special like result like where it'll skew it by twenty percent or whatever. Mm. You click the little it will it says it says you've done eight Googles of learn just I, just I just searched learn about medicine and it just gave me a doctorate it says i'm a doctor of google that doesn't seem legally binding I, i'm gonna ask you to to put the white coat down and to <laughs> just just to stay in your expertise those uh, were my scissors at midfield of chiefs raiders <laughs> by the way <laughs> those were my medical tape cutting scissors and uh and i apologize for that so, in relation to the Chiefs, <laughs> Seth, defense, you've been really quiet. Uh, I I was just letting you guys drive the bus. Are you there, Seth? Seth, Seth Zoom still working? Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Nate. Uh, in terms of the Chiefs' defense, uh, it appears that Steve Spagnuolo has some expertise in this field. Uh, <laughs> when given the the competent tools yeah. necessary, um, I think it's clear to me that this was the Chiefs' defense that one could have assumed was going to show itself in, I don't know, late September. But weirdly, sometimes it takes eight weeks. Nine? Hell, maybe ten. <laughs> uh, and that's just where we are 
where I'm going to say this very quietly because some of y'all have understood that we study this team appropriately with our expertise. And sometimes we're out in front of what other coaches realize or, you know, we don't want we know your team gives you so much joy and so much emotional uplift on your weekends. I get it. It's only going to get colder. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to give away all the reasons, all the ways to beat the Chiefs because it's it's hard enough. It's hard enough to live this life with your football team kind of teetering or you know not performing the expectation. But I just want to let you know, Steve Spagnuolo has started to take away the top option for opposing offenses. Ooh. And maybe the other teams don't know that yet because it's it's just now starting to reveal itself on film because he has competent football players not named Daniel Sorensen on the field for the majority of the of the game. So that's that's a that's a trend, ladies and gentlemen, that you that that, that coaches in the analytic departments and hell, even the scouts are gonna have to gonna have to adjust to at a quicker pace, you know? Um all I'm saying is this will be in the athletic at some point later this week. But guys, the last skill position player on the opposing team to have over 100 yards, I believe, was A.J. Brown. Wow. And this and this show was, has been... And that, was, Nate. and that was the last time the Chiefs lost. This show's been really weird today, but I think that it's good that we're whispering because while there's absolutely no chance in blue hell that uh, that Mike McCarthy would listen to this podcast, I feel like Kellen Moore might. You know, I feel like Kellen Moore would like this show. I feel like J- there's all. It seems like Jerry Jones does very little other than consume Cowboys related content, and so there's a possibility. I mean, and, and look, Jerry Jones, if we're all being really honest with ourselves, I mean, really honest, I, I want you to put aside all the pretensions about who you think you are. Mm-hmm. If you had enough money to buy that super yacht, you'd do it too. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, <laughs> with, with you putting that in my head, Seth, I thought, I thought you were going to just gonna say, say that, the bus was used for other means. Well, I mean, <laughs> I thought you guys were just going to talk Ooh. about how smart and handsome and wonderful Jerry Jones is. And if he is listening to this podcast and perhaps that he wanted to, I don't know, thank us for our great podcasting work because he is so smart, handsome. And did I mention handsome? The, the, that, you know, you did just, several times. Did. Okay. Well, I just, you know, I want him to know that we know that and that maybe, you know, if he wants to send us a yacht each, <laughs> Look, I don't I, think that any of us could really use it from here. I'm not maybe I'm, a helicopter. I don't know. I'm not asking anybody to say that. I'm not asking anybody to send <laughs> this to the, to the Cowboys <laughs> because that would be foolish of you. But and, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to give a quick shout out, <laughs> on the twitter.com verse if, if you want to shout out jory epstein who's a wonderful reporter of the cowboys that would be great she's 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 a, she's awesome at her job um and if she wants to relay this information to the team then i can't do anything to stop that but did i enjoy hard knocks because i got to see my friend ask jerry jones a question and then jerry jones kind of you know have a have an emotional like all I'm asking you is to love your significant other the way Jerry Jones loves that star. <laughs> 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 and, and, and so, 
Uh, I'm all I'm saying is is that all of a sudden the Chiefs defense can take away or at least limit the opposing team's best player on offense. Like, <laughs> did you see who was out here covering Darren Waller? It won forty nine. <laughs> um, I <laughs> that was. That was is this is this show happening because we're recording on a Tuesday? What happened? What I don't. Jory, 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 don't tell them who Forty Nine is, or don't tell them what has been going on in the last month. From the tell the Cowboys to actually run the ball because statistically, yeah. if you look at it by and large, Jory, the Chiefs have a bad run defense. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I know that has not been true for the last four weeks. Cause you has. gotta you gotta keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, Jerry. That's what I hear. <laughs> so, I mean, this is obviously. I mean, this might be the best offense they face for the rest of the season, right? Yeah. Barring if they make the playoffs, Dallas's offense is really good with Dak in there. Um. And so this is going to be the test because one thing Dallas is, is they're, they're versatile, right? I mean, obviously they, they love some of their receivers, but there's no like one thing to take away. Whereas like with Waller kind of taken away by and large, they, the Raiders just didn't know what to do. Um, They did a good job taking away Devontae Adams as well. Yes. And so these are, these are things that are important to note. And now it's just a matter of, they're going to have to continue to get pressure. They're going to have to, because, because Dak is really good. So I'm excited to see what they can do in terms of, as a defense, it, a lot's going to depend on the offense too, though. And I think we're seeing that more and more this defense and a lot of defenses are this way, but I think especially the chiefs with the way that they're built, when the offense is humming and forcing the other team to play their style of football, the Chiefs defense looks so much better. Like when when Chris Jones doesn't have to care even a little bit about whether or not they might hand off the ball, he is unblockable. <laughs> um, and he's been good against the run this year too. But it, they they just they they're a completely different unit when they're put in that situation. And I would just note, you know, talking about all the stuff on the defense, Melvin Ingram. You know, we were hopeful that it would be more of an addition than just Melvin Ingram, right? It would remove a weak spot on the defense, add another position of strength, even if it's not like, you know, he's not a star, but if you can add an above average player at a spot, you'd kind of see this domino effect. And I think you, you we've seen it a little bit these last couple of weeks. He also adds a measure of physicality. Like the Chiefs defense is way more physical this year um, since Gay got on the field and Bolton got on the field. And then you add Ingram to the mix of that. Those are very, very physical players. And I think you see a little bit of a difference in that. Obviously, Nadi's always been physical. You know, Jerry Reed is a physical guy. All the, you know, the big guys always are. But they're adding some real physicality to their front seven that I think is a noticeable difference from previous years. And so I, I the Cowboys are the test, right? If they even like have an average day against the Cowboys, I'll be thrilled. You know, if the Cowboys score 27 points or so, I'll be very happy about that because I feel like this defense in previous years would have, and obviously early this year, would have gotten just destroyed by Dak Prescott. Mm. And I'm still a little concerned that might happen. But 
overall, I'm really happy with what they did against a deep, an offense that had shredded them in years past. I think you're 100% right about the Cowboys as the test, but like this is a little bit of, of carryover from the last two weeks for me. Like These last three games, at least, just whoever's been across from him, they've been the better unit. They have taken away the number one option for whoever is the number one option on that team. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's at least at least some earned optimism at the very least. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we, we're about at our hour mark here, and uh, I do at least want to mention that Tommy Townsend did in fact just look like a Greek god throwing a, <laughs> a perfectly executed fake punt. Um, we mentioned no offensive turnovers. Mike Hughes had the fumble on the the kick return with him and Hardman both being back there, which was interesting and then very good until he ultimately got stripped by the punter. A good game for punters, I guess, again. Um, anything else, though, from, from the game that you would say, hey, here's one thing we haven't touched on yet that I think is interesting or important before we wrap it up? I told you guys in uh, hell in the offseason, and it sort of confirmed, it was confirmed in training camp, even though he wasn't getting that many reps, but you don't ever have to worry about Rashad fitting. You just don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. That guy, that guy is quietly playing out of his mind. And mm-hmm. uh, for a six-round draft pick where I literally looked at some of the chief scouts and was like, word. <laughs> like, <laughs> are you serious right now? <laughs> um, what a find. I mean, just what a find. And a guy that they clearly knew was super coachable um, and just has a want to. That is really admirable in terms of not being like, physically like uh, he's not a physical freak but he Mm -hmm. is a elite athlete and i hope people understand the difference between the two yep um but he has a want to he has proper techniques um he has a willingness to be daring in a way that like you kind of have to be at the cornerback position in this league um which i don't know if that gets discussed enough where it's like you got to take chances at an NFL, as an NFL cornerback. Like the game is the game is slanted and not in your advantage. <laughs> like they literally run slants at you, dog. <laughs> like, like it's not it's not great. But he's he's playing at a really at a really high level. So if you look at all three levels of the defense, Melvin Ingram has made a huge impact. Obviously, coming in at the right time with both uh, Jones and Frank Clark getting healthier. Uh, it appears that Willie Gay is a good player. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. full stop, good player. Uh, and in the back end, as Traverius Ward has just been your NFL starter that you can depend upon, as Legereus Need becomes a player that I thought in training camp had a chance to be an all-pro. Like, I wrote that. I was like, guys, have you seen Legereus Need? This dude's an all-pro in front of our eyes. Uh, it <laughs> took a while. But, hey, he's playing really, really well, uh, especially these last three weeks. But the but the guy who's actually made it work uh, beyond the you know appropriate change at 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 the free safety position has been fitting. Um, you have five DBs now, and you kind of need five DBs in the NFL that you can trust um, because teams are going to spread you out, and uh, the Chiefs should encourage, hey, get up by a score or two, dictate the tempo, and if your pass rush matches your your uh your secondary then then good things can happen but um Rashad Fenton deserved a, a few minutes of a shout out Seth you yeah. got one I've got one for for my last uh, little mention I guess I'll give a and this is a temporary we'll see because it wasn't too long ago we weren't quite sure 
a maybe shout out to Brett Veach when we talk about draft picks. You know, if you look at the last three drafts with Fenton playing out of his mind, with Thornhill playing really, really good football, with Hardman at least having a role, Colin Saunders at least having a role, um, Lucas Niang showing he can play, LeJerry Sneed being what he is, Michael Dana being a, a, a useful player, Willie Gay Jr. being really useful, Clyde Edwards-Alaire being a guy who can at least play who was overdrafted, but he can play. And then this year, you got Bolton, Humphrey, um, Smith, and maybe Gray starting to show a little usefulness. I may owe Brett Veach an apology about drafting here coming soon because that is a lot of useful dudes in drafts, and that's hard to do. Um, for me, for my last thing here, I'm, I'll give the it, it's sort of a two part two running back mention here for me, um, which I, folks, I'm ending this show for myself talking about two very good running back performances. You heard me. Um, Matt McMullen tweeted out that Darrell Williams became the first tailback in Chiefs history to have nine or more receptions and over 100 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown in a single game. Now, whenever you get that many qualifiers in, it usually means that something else is being, you know, narrowly cropped out of the photo. And I get that. It's a great stat line for Daryl with yep. an incredible play that running backs do not make very often. Um, but I, I saw that stat. And went, Wait a second. Where's Jamal Charles being narrowly cropped out of frame? He only actually had two games in his career with over 100 receiving yards, which I was surprised by. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it happened once in 2008 on three targets and three receptions. He went for three, he went three for 102 in that game. Uh, and then it happened again in 2013. You guys may yes, remember there was a game where he caught eight passes for 195 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, Seth, it seems to fire up some faint memory for you. I, you know, who's to say if that if that game was memorable, memorable for a lot of people? I believe it was five touchdowns total, four receiving. Um, so, but but Darrow Williams literally has a stat line a a for a pass catching running back that that stands up to a couple Jamal Charles games there. So. Uh, and also just a great a great play as he went over one of the Raiders' seven remaining draft picks from the last five years. That was a joke. <laughs> it might be more than that, although it might be less than that. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. Uh, so there's that. You can read Seth's piece about Orlando Brown Jr. and the charting there up at the Chief of the North newsletter right now. I mean, I know you'll do your Mahomes breakdown, Seth. I don't know if you've got something else immediately in the works right now. Um, I, I kind of want to look at some of what Daryl Williams did. I don't know if I'm going to have time, and that's been covered really well. I'm going to look at Mahomes, obviously. I'd like to look at how the uh, the defense on the back end and then on the front end really stymied an offense that had messed with them. So I kind of want to look at some of their pass rushes there in terms of their blitzes and how it uh, associated with their coverage, if I have time. So that'll be at mnchiefsfan.substack.com right now up on The Athletic. You can read Nate's post-game piece from Vegas and uh, also will certainly have, he's already teased some of the stuff that's going to be coming. He's going to give the Cowboys a game plan uh, later this week coming up on The Athletic as well. And I think the plan right now is for us to do uh, a show. We need it. We can talk about this. The listeners don't need the, the time uh, stamps, but presumably we'll do one on Thursday. Um, and then another one on Monday to follow up the Cowboys game. And then we're probably going to take uh, a couple of shows off because it's Thanksgiving and the bye week and all yep. of that. 
Um, and then maybe for the first time in the last several years, I, we, none of us will have to take a vacation with a microphone in our suit, <laughs> which is, you know, fitting, I would say. But but we'll we'll probably take a little break as the uh, the bye week hits for a good at a good time for Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill and all of us. Yep. Uh, and to end this, uh, I'm actually going to promote uh, one of our guys. Uh, Russ and Dot, if you haven't seen it yet, please yes. go to theathletic.com because, uh, you know, as I was writing my story Sunday night in Vegas, it became uh, it became very clear that we needed to find this man. And his name is Jawan Nelson. The I got my swagger back. Ah! <laughs> if you want to hear how that became a thing uh, and why it's a thing essentially seven years later, uh, go check out Russ's story. Um, talking to Nelson and, and just giving his perspective on, hey man, Travis Kelsey imitated you uh, in front of the entire nation. And, and so it's a very fun piece and uh, you should check it out.